Hey guys, hey guys and welcome, welcome back, back to, to the official podcast, podcast of Develop, 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 Unplugged. And, and today we're going to be talking about a very important topic, topic which, is which is intelligence. intelligence. Are, you intelligent? Are you intelligent? Are you not intelligent? intelligent? And, why? and why? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In, the In the world today, world today we, we kind, kind of tend, tend to be treated, treated as, as unintelligent, unintelligent if we're not, if we're good, not at good at academia. academia. So, for example, so for example, I sucked at academia. At academia. In, school, in school, I got, I got very, very inconsistent. Great, sometimes I got great grades, great, great, sometimes, sometimes I got terrible grades. grades. But I but wasn't, I wasn't the, best. the best. Student. student. However, However um, okay, so, okay, we, so have we have Echo, so, so we have my sister behind the scenes joining me here in a second. So give us a second to fix the Echo. Should I keep speaking for testing purposes? So, it's fixed. So, we are talking here to just check the audio. And hopefully in a minute, the audio will be for perfect. We're good? Okay, so my sister's gonna be joining me here in a second, and uh, let's get started. So, uh, I'm gonna repeat that, because I'm sure the echo is very annoying. So. Welcome back to the official podcast of Develop Yomant Unplugged, and let's talk about intelligence. Are you intelligent? Are you not intelligent? And why? And how can you improve your intelligence? Believe it or not, we can actually develop a lot of different types of intelligence by practice, by trying new things, by putting effort into it. We're not all born with the same skill sets, but we can all develop skill sets that are outside of our comfort zone. My sister here, she's actually great at, you know, the more traditional types of intelligence. Like, <laughs> she did great in school, a straight-A student. I wasn't a straight-A student. I was kind of the opposite. No, not the opposite. Not but the I was, opposite. I you were middle of the road. Ups and downs. Yeah, ups and downs is how I would describe it. Yannick is the type of person that if he's motivated to do something and he believes in what he's doing he'll do the best work that there is. But if he doesn't, then he's not very motivated. So what happened is that in the subjects where he wasn't as personally interested, he would get low grades. And the ones that he was passionate about or the projects he was passionate about, he would get really great grades. But what happened, because of that contrast between the two of us, Yannick started feeling like he wasn't intelligent because I was getting top grades quite consistently. So he just kind of gave up on feeling smart in a way. Uh, yeah, to give a little context, uh, we come from a family of academics. My father went to two Ivy League schools uh, as a professor who has taught all over the world. And uh, yeah, our house has always been a library with, I mean, growing up, we had more than 6,000 books at any yeah. given time, most times more than double that probably. And uh, yeah, I had a really hard time concentrating and doing my work in school. If I was passionate about something, I would do it much better than anyone in the, the sense that one time I did a, uh, a school project that was meant to be a two-page handwritten essay, and I wrote a whole book on yeah. primates <laughs> and had analysis between the old world and new world primates, and I had a directory of all the names in Danish, in English and in Latin. I had photos of all the primates I could find. This was pre-Google. I mean, I don't remember what I used at the time. I think I used Alta Vista <laughs> and uh, I photocopied, uh, like I scanned uh, uh, encyclopedias from libraries and stuff like that to create what I could tell at the time was like the most complete compendium of, of uh, uh, primate facts and photos and things like that. And this I did in fourth grade, but I yeah. didn't, I obviously at the time we lived in Denmark where there's this, what they call the law of Yanto. You've probably heard it in English as the tall puppy syndrome uh, in Australia. Uh, or in Japan, there's the saying, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. And basically, in many different countries, there are sayings that basically tell you stop being arrogant, stop bragging, mm -hmm. but it also means don't celebrate your work. Uh, and it, it also yeah. means, you know, uh, some of the joy of uh, you know s going above and beyond gets gets robbed from you. So yeah. so after that, I became a very lazy student. I just did minimal effort because I realized if I spend two months on a project or if I spend uh, ten minutes on a project, I get kind of the same uh, result. Um, especially in the Danish school system, mm -hmm. uh, they're very good at not making anyone feel bad or excluded. So everyone kind of gets celebrated equally. So 
while I'm all for equality, uh, I, I do believe in celebrating people's efforts. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't be encouraging only recognizing the lowest common denominator, yeah. which is kind of what ended up happening. And, you know, the issue with this, you know, even if you've grown up in a different culture, if you've grown up in an environment where the people around you were getting better grades or they were earning more awards or they were somehow being recognized more than you were, then you start feeling like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not this enough. And with me, it happened sort of the other way around where Yannick was really good socially. He was good at reading people. He was good at talking to people, charming people. Any topic you threw at him, he knew how to hold a conversation, even if he didn't know much about the subject. And I, on the other hand, I was beyond shy. You know, I really, really struggled a lot communicating growing up uh, to the point of having, you know, not diagnosed, but definitely strong symptoms of selective mutism. Like, I would just not physically be able to formulate words in some settings. No, we had to and speak for her. I mean, yeah. we really did. Yeah, Yannick and, and, and our mom had to answer basic questions on my behalf, like how old I was or where I went to school. Even into high school, even my first couple of years of college, they were still answering questions for me. Even to this day, I cut you off in the podcast sometimes <laughs> because I'm so used to answering for you. Not so much because I need it anymore, but because no, you're so used to it. <laughs> and so I felt like, oh, I'm not good with people and I'll never be good with people. I won't, I don't get it. Like, I really thought that my life was a prank or some social experiment where everyone else had a script and I didn't. And the test was to find out if I knew what yeah. to do without a script. Uh, so I really thought, okay, all this intelligence that I have academically, I won't be able to use it because I don't know how to engage socially. Uh, and what's interesting is that we've both sort of discovered that each in those areas that we were insecure yeah. in, we're each smarter than we think. It's just that yeah. what was most natural for us was the social side for Yannick and it was the academic side for me. But we've both been able to develop the areas where we didn't feel as strong. And we've also been able to recognize that we knew things there too. We were oh yeah. smart there too. We just weren't assessed or taught based on the way that we each function and make sense no, of the and world. And sometimes we also reinforce being dumb or reinforce being underqualified in some area. Uh, I've seen a lot both in, in ourselves and in, in other people that, that we've coached uh, throughout the years and, and helped through, through difficult times. And I've noticed a lot of people are very, very hard on themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, most people are. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Uh, uh, and many times it's, sure, comparatively speaking, maybe they have more difficulty in some things. But many times when you have difficulty, if you, as we like to say in developed development, you, ma you make the, the goals more important than the fears, and you actually develop it and you work on it, uh, you can actually exceed your expectations and exceed mm -hmm. other people's expectations. I mean, I never thought I'd be traveling the world doing conferences and talks and, and getting paid thousands of dollars for my knowledge. Yeah. I mean, that, that was always kind of something I, I, I wanted to help people, but I never thought that would be how I would do it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, originally with Develop Yelman, the tools we developed them originally, one, for me to understand you and help you out, uh, and two, in my previous business, we had so many conflicts because of different personalities and, and, and such that we clashed every day and I tried to build something that, a training that worked and it mm -hmm. worked so well that we decided to share it with the world. But this idea of going out and putting ourselves in situations of, you know, sharing our knowledge and in the way we do, I mean, a lot of imposter syndrome, uh, syndrome held me back for, for, yeah. for a long time and, and I think both of us. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is very funny to, to look back and see, you know, a lot of the areas that we each felt inadequate in actually areas that we now have a lot to, you know, share with yeah. the world. <laughs> because sometimes when you face those fears, you develop skill sets. Yeah. And, and with me, one of the interesting things is she mentions how uh, skilled I was at social stuff. And that is very true. However... I also have had my insecurities, I've had my social yeah. anxieties, and there have been times where she has helped me because I've been shaking in social <laughs> environments. Uh, so it's not that black or white, but we mm -hmm. certainly need to identify, okay, so maybe this area where we've been comparing ourselves to others has not been our strong point, but where is our strong point to kind of sometimes use that 
as as um, support, uh, I, or how can mm -hmm. I say, use it creatively. For example, in other words, when I was in school, I charmed my way through the school system. <laughs> I mean, I really did. I, I helped the I I helped my teachers with everything I could with their technology. Mm -hmm. I, I really participated a lot in class, even if I didn't do my homework. I was very active and I really contributed to, to the class dynamic. And I ended up getting all kinds of letters of recommendation and, and uh, best in class and all kinds of different things without even trying. Uh, well, without aiming for that, because I had already given up with that yeah, idea, yeah. I thought I was, I remember our mother was crying when I graduated high school because she didn't even think I would graduate high school. It was that bad. Yeah. Um, uh, Steve, Steve uh, just showed up and he's like, but you did get a little help from your friends because he actually, it's thanks to him I got through math. <laughs> and I did fail the first year. No, and, and, and that's the thing that we really have to look at, like, if we do recognize what our strong points are and we do recognize what types of intelligence comes most easy and most natural to us, we can use those to develop the other skills. So Yannick, for example, math was not a strong suit, but learning socially, learning with another person helped him develop that area in an easier way than like staring into a book. Whereas for me, learning social skills, I learned it a lot from books. Yeah. So if you have certain strengths, use those and see, like learning doesn't only happen one way. You can learn by doing, you can learn by talking, you can learn by reading, you can learn by listening, you can learn by experimenting and just trying things. So if you have a sense of where your strengths are, use those and apply them in the areas you feel you wanna get stronger. Yeah, it, it's, it's something we really gotta reflect on how many lies have we told ourselves mm -hmm. about our intelligence as well? Uh, recently, uh, I had the absolute pleasure of uh, taking part in a bit of uh, teaching someone a bit of basic math uh, session. And uh, I realized how much more of a grasp I have on it now than I, I maybe had in school. I'm, I still suck at a lot of types of math, but I've learned that through business, you gotta you gotta learn some basic math, and mm -hmm. uh, as a result, I've learned that actually I didn't have a hard time learning the things that I really needed for day to day mm -hmm. use. But I thought I would have a hard time. I used to shut my brain off yeah. the moment numbers were written down, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that, and this is that," and uh, uh, suddenly I was teaching stuff, and. With a little help from my friend, <laughs> uh, it, it started with Steve teaching, and then I was like, "Ooh, I can add something to that." Um, <laughs> I, I, and the funny thing is, going back, really going back far, I used to be very good at math in the first few grades in school. But I moved from one city in Denmark to Japan. Well, first from Holland, then to uh, Denmark, then to Japan, then to a different city in Denmark, then to Canada. Like I really moved around a lot and. In my case, every time we moved, I had to relearn what I learned the previous year in the other school. For example, mm -hmm. in Japan, I learned uh, long division. When I got to Denmark, they only could correct uh, a short division. Uh, I learned the multiplication table in Japanese. Then I had to relearn it in Danish, but my teacher didn't understand because it was numbers, but it's not just numbers. It's a little song you have in your head. There's a <laughs> rhythm to it. So uh, like relearning was a problem. It was even worse when I moved from, from Denmark to Canada. I went to business high school in Denmark, so I learned the math that I needed for business, but all of a sudden I needed to know cosine, sine, tangent, and all kinds of things that I had no <laughs> previous context. And apparently everyone in this school in Canada had had a year or two of that, and I was like, okay, I have to <laughs> learn a bunch of stuff, not just the stuff they're teaching me now, but everything, all the prerequisites, I don't really have them. So yeah. in, in my particular case, I know my case is different from the vast majority of people. But I had convinced myself that I was very bad at it, but it wasn't because of my incapacity to learn. It was just I was disillusioned because every time I learned something, mm -hmm. I had to relearn. And every time I got to a new country, I would be criticized, judged, and the teachers would be impatient, and they wouldn't be empathetic with me, so I just gave up. Yeah. And I think that's happened to me in many areas of, of school where I just gave up. Yeah. And now that I'm actually researching and developing and writing and doing a lot of things, I surprise myself of like, I didn't 
think I could do that. <laughs> I didn't think I had that capacity. Yeah. So, so we're mentioning this in the beginning. I mean, we're going to get into different types of intelligence and how to take advantage of them, how to develop them and all that good stuff. But we also want you to reflect on where have you concluded that you lack a certain type of intelligence or a certain mm -hmm. skill set? And what if you were to open yourself up to learning it? Yeah. It's, for example, right now we're starting to go to the gym and stuff like that. Uh, most of my life I convinced myself, oh, I'm not athletic, so I'm just going to give up. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, no, I'm going to learn how to apply it based on my personality, my goals, and then I can learn these things. And that goes with anything in life, I guess. Yeah. No, no, I mean... You know, I've now that we're talking about going to the gym, I've had the same thing growing up. You know, our family's identity was kind of we're good at a lot of things, but we're not athletic. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, funny thing is, I remember a few times during my childhood feeling like I really wanted to do sports, yeah. but thinking I'm so different from everyone already. If I'm bad at sports, then I get to be part of the family. Yeah. So I actually kept myself out of yeah. athletic situations because I thought, okay, I want to belong to this family. I love my family. So I'm not even going to see whether I'm good at this. And I get up before starting, and then all of a sudden I get to my, a point in my life, you know, in my mid-20s, where I'm starting to have certain health problems, uh, chronic pain and things like that. And I think... I have to do something. I have to start doing something. I was also suffering from depression, and I was struggling to get out of that or learn how to handle that in my life. And I thought, okay, for both of these things, exercise is one of the things people yeah. recommend, so I'm just gonna try. And I tried, and I ended up actually really loving it yeah. and discovering that moving my body, it's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, being in the gym and having a trainer yell at you that, you know, do it harder, you're not good enough. I mean, that works for some people, yeah. but it wasn't my style. So if I s once I started looking at, okay, what's my style? What do I like? What do I enjoy? It turned out that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and there we see how sometimes we stop ourselves, not just because somebody maybe told us we were bad at it, but somewhere along the way we decided, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. It's not worth trying, and if anything, maybe things will even get worse if I try. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we ought to be careful with because it's a topic that uh, comes up several times th throughout the podcast, identity. Mm -hmm. What is your sense of identity? Mm -hmm. What groups do you belong to? Yeah. And when you get married emotionally and mentally to certain groups and certain identities, you reinforce both the good and the bad. And mm -hmm. sometimes the bad gets reinforced more than the good. And I've seen that many times in my life where I reinforced that I wasn't good at stuff, where I wasn't capable at stuff. And looking at how I approach life now is like, if I don't know it, I'll learn it. If yeah. it's, it like now I just have that mentality of like yeah. whatever I need to do. And, and that, that's where uh, one of the things I love reinforcing, and I've said it already this episode, and I'm gonna say it again, make your goals more important than your fears. I mean, I can say that all day because fear is not, uh, no, courage is not the absence of fear, but the decision that something is more important than that fear. And we are so good at giving power to our fears. And our fear of judgment, our fear of re uh, rejection, our fear of failure, our fear of success, in brackets, the fear of not being able to sustain that success in particular, all those things lead us to conclude we are not ready. Our imposter syndrome can con make help us conclude that we are not ready and we won't be ready for another 10 years until we have millions of subscribers, uh, 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 20 different degrees from 20 different universities. Like We're very good at putting conditions on our success mm -hmm. and, and conditions on our abilities and conditions on whether or not people are going to be willing to listen to us or, 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 or value us, right? But newsflash for you. Your biggest critic is yourself. Yeah. Uh, your biggest cheerleader can be yourself, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a choice. But really, it's a question of just concluding which are my goals and which steps do I need to take to achieve it. Yeah. And yes, there are some times that there's things that are just naturally not so easy for you. And yes, collaborating with other people is a very valuable thing. We always talk about expand your support network, grow a team, you know, she does stuff that I have a really hard time doing. And oftentimes it's not that I can't do it, but it drains me more. It's more effort. And I've learned that if she does certain things and I do certain things, 
It's easier. Yeah, we save both time and effort by dividing things up in a way that plays to each of our strengths. Exactly. But if it really comes down to it, both of us can occupy most of the roles that each of us play. However, we know, ah, if I'm going to do something more introverted, like sitting down and reading uh, and writing and, and like just focusing on that part of the business, it's stressful for me. I've been doing a lot of it these last weeks, and I'm very proud of myself. I'm very happy to see that, that uh, how much I can do now with these tools being more regenerated, knowing when to ask for help, knowing when to double down. But it's something that we cannot be so hard on ourselves to the degree that we conclude that we can't do something. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't be uh, so uh, rude to ourselves to just be like, okay, I give up, I'm not gonna ask for help. We've talked about this uh, in many episodes, the Benjamin Franklin effect. Do you wanna mention it quickly? You can go ahead with okay. that one because I have a different idea in my head that I don't okay. want to forget. So <laughs> I, I ju just to reinforce this, I'm a big fan of getting support networks. I'm a big fan of asking for help. I do not think it's rude. I do not think it's selfish. I think it's one of the most generous things you can do. Mm -hmm. And here's a, 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 a psychological theory to, to take into account when, when you assess whether or not it's rude or generous. Uh, when Benjamin Franklin wanted to create strategic alliances, what did he do? He went back to the people who had already helped him several times because he knew those people were gonna help him again. He also knew that if someone owed him a favor, it wasn't necessarily the case that they would help him uh, because of that favor or because of that debt they owed. And he also learned that every time someone helped him, that relationship improved. And he learned that asking for help is basically like saying, I value your abilities, I value you, I appreciate you, I trust you, I admit my shortcomings, I can't do it alone. That is a compliment. He mm -hmm. also learned that every time you help someone, what do you do? You, you justify it in your head. You tell yourself, I'm helping this person because I love them. I'm helping this person because they deserve it. I am helping this person because I appreciate them. I'm helping them because, and whatever it is the answer is, often case, that's reinforcing the strength and the bond of that relationship. Yeah. So asking for help is good. And yes, now I'm facing things that I were, was afraid of facing before. And I got to that level of confidence by asking for help for a long time and then realizing, oh, I'm not as dumb as I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going back to this idea of knowing what your goals are, knowing what your short term and what your long term goals are, that's a good way of also not getting stuck in the sort of trap here that is imposter syndrome. You know, we talk about learning, we talk about developing your skills, but you also don't want to get stuck in only learning, uh, which is something I've seen that a lot of people do. You know, they have five different degrees and they're doing personal de development workshops every week and they're reading I don't know how many books and they're, you know, and if you can do that and still advance with other projects in your life, great. But probably you want to look at where you're putting the most of your attention. If you're just learning, 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 but not applying any of the things you learn, then what good are all those things you've been studying, right? So you want to learn things with the intention of actually applying them. Yeah. Even if it's your backup tools, even if it's your only when I need them tools, have them there and take them out when you do end up needing yeah. them. No, that's a very, very important point. And I think probably one of my biggest regrets in life is that I gave my imposter syndrome so much power that I waited so many years before doing the things that I'm really good at because mm -hmm. I convinced myself that other people were better. And uh, I realized when I created a social network to empower and promote and connect people with personal development tools, resources, coaches, authors, and, and filmmakers, that a lot of the content out there is junk. A lot of it is, is no offense, bullshit. <laughs> uh, and uh, people are making a lot of money selling really very empty content. Yeah. Uh, and I was shocked and I was like, honestly, I could do something better myself. And I built something better than a lot of the stuff on the, the market. And even then for years, I didn't have the confidence. And I, I found many excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, I told myself I'm not a psychologist. I told myself my language skills aren't perfect because I speak several languages, but none of them perfectly because I'm <laughs> always changing <laughs> countries. Uh, and uh, 
I'm I, I really convinced myself that I, I wasn't able to do it. And it was only one day that I saw the changes so deeply in people around me that I was like, this is a responsibility to share. Yeah. It's no longer about me. It's bigger than me. And now I don't care if I get judged, I get criticized, uh, I get rejected, I get ridiculed. I mean, yes, I care, but it's not going to stop me anymore. And yeah. that conscious choice, it took me too long to make. Yeah. I, in, in retrospect, I, I wasted a lot of opportunities. I burned a lot of bridges. I uh, wasted a lot of resources because, I mean, had I had the confidence sooner... I would have had more resources uh, in the beginning stages of the business to do a lot of cool things. Yeah. But it was, I really was so hard on myself that I really wasn't that like, no, no, let me verify, let me check, let me double check, let me triple check, let me make sure it works let, before I share it. And like, it was really, I extended that period way too long. Yeah. Uh, and I know people who are brilliant, absolutely brilliant people who are super qualified, super intelligent, who I'm learning stuff from every day, but who don't have the confidence to uh really pursue their primary projects mm -hmm. because they are very good at, at at putting themselves down and and every day I see more of more of them give more power to their goals and their fears and that makes me very happy but it is something it is a legitimate problem that there are people who actually are very very intelligent and you are probably way more intelligent way more wise way more knowledgeable than you think but it's so easy to compare yourself to someone else and say he's better she's better yeah. and I, it, it uh, happened with this podcast in the early episodes i mean everyone was afraid of starting the podcast because i set a very high expectation <laughs> of production quality and people were like we're not ready yet and i was like you know what i don't care if they suck we just gotta get started and learn in the process mm -hmm. i mean the worst that can happen is we get some negative comments and no uh, uh, views and no listeners but in the meanwhile, we learn and we refine our craft. And maybe episode 50, maybe episode 100, we get it right. Mm -hmm. But we gotta p if we don't start now, we'll never get to the episode where we get it right. Yeah. Because we'll always be waiting till the moment where we are ready to get it right. Yeah. But in most things, you've got to learn through practice. I don't care if you're an athlete uh, or uh, a filmmaker or a musician or whatever it is you are. In the beginning, whatever it is that you do, you're going to fail at it miserably, most likely. <laughs> and that's okay. You're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. But if you get up and you actually try and you develop and you practice and you go through that uh, uncomfortable period, then you can get to that period where, ooh, suddenly it's easy. Ooh, mm -hmm. suddenly I'm enjoying this more. Ooh, suddenly I'm getting the results I never uh, got before. Yeah. But you've got to go through that period sometimes. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like recommending a lot for people who have that area in which they feel that they're not smart, that they're not good, uh, and they kind of freeze up when they get to it. One thing I recommend is try it or get engaged with it in some way for five minutes, just five minutes. Whether it's Googling something, whether it's wat watching a video on YouTube that explains it, whether it's talking to someone who knows about it, whether it's physically getting involved with, let's say, cooking or computers or whatever it is, just five minutes. And then you walk away from it. You go on with your life. You keep doing what you're doing. And then when you're ready, you go back for another five minutes and another five minutes. And then you can increase it when you want to to more. But what that does is it gets you exposed to the thing that you've developed a fear of yeah. and a nervousness and anxiety around. It, you get exposed. You realize, oh, five minutes weren't that bad. Maybe I haven't yeah. learned everything overnight, but I touched a little bit. <laughs> Steve is saying that's how I started at the gym. And and yeah, it's a really good way of learning those things that you're really nervous around because you're not put five minutes you can't set up the expectation of becoming no. an expert. Three hours maybe you start putting that pressure on yourself, but five minutes you can't. So it's just about getting exposed to it, getting rid of that those barriers, those judgments, that anxiety that you have. And then you unlock the ability to learn much better than when you're mid-panic. Here's the thing. We live in, era, in an era of self-education. Mm -hmm. We live in an era where we have learned that the school system needs some reform, needs some investment, needs some changes. And we are in a beautiful era with many different educational styles, private schools with all kinds of different innovative solutions. But as a whole, most schools, they take a very one-size-fits-all approach mm -hmm. and it leaves a lot of people feeling inadequate, lost, incapable, uh, and discouraged. Yeah. And uh, we live in an era where we have the internet, 
we have YouTube. We have a million different e-learning platforms. We have any book you want in the world on demand uh, digitally or sent via the mail in a couple of hours a day or max a week. I mean, it's, it's really we're at a point where learning anything is easier than ever. Mm-hmm. And we are so lucky to live in this era because I've self-taught myself everything from web development to uh, cinematography to uh, psychology to, I mean, so many different things I've taught myself without traditional academia. And academia is great, and for a lot of people it's great. I mean, for my sister, sometimes she thinks about going back to <laughs> university just because she was so good at it and it made and her I feel like so it. powerful. <laughs> uh, but, like, there was something out there for everyone. And and it's really not too late to learn anything. And and for me, it, it's, it's, it's very sad when I see people take all this technology that we have and lead it down a different path. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of technology. I, I'm, it's a future. I mean, if you don't embrace it in the future, you're not going to be able to get jobs. I'm one of those uh, people who believes that firmly. But uh, there are two ways to use it. You can either use it as a distraction or you can use it as a source for education, for growth, for getting more context, getting uh, access to information around the world. I mean, you choose how you use it. Um, and instead of you know seeing it as a bad thing, I, s- I suggest look at technology and use it so that you grow, so that you level up. Yeah. And uh, uh, right now, sadly, people are so into, and, and this is not exclusive to this generation, but it has been amplified in this generation because getting things on demand is easier than ever. Mm-hmm. So people are m- less patient mm-hmm. than I think any point in history because they're so used to anything they want they can have right now in their fingertips. Yeah. But there's a difference between having everything right now in terms of digesting stuff and having everything right now in terms of being able to execute stuff. Mm -hmm. And there we have to learn, okay, yes, I might be able to digest or hire or or outsource anything with little effort. But when it comes to developing stuff, yes, you have a better support network than ever. You have more access to information and training than ever. You can find the training that works for you. But you still have to take the steps. You have to go through the, the failures, the mistakes, the the sometimes the pain so that you learn mm-hmm. and that's something that we have to you know embrace and it's yeah. it's a little sad that a lot of people are it's like ah takes too long yeah uh, no i i mean we live in a we live in a time where all these courses are being sold to us with become an expert in one day yeah. uh, become fluent in japanese in one day you know they're selling us this idea that we can learn everything overnight and really really learning something there's there's this tv show called the oa that i talk a lot about and annoy people with because i think it's one of the best shows to ever exist uh and one of the things they talk about or mention on that show is knowledge is just a theory until you feel it in your body and i'm a big believer in that phrase because what it means is you can know a lot of things theoretically in your head but until you've started living them and experiencing them, you don't really, really know them. And so that applies to anything that you might go online and learn. If you are learning primarily through reading or listening, do take it out and apply it. Practice it, even if it's in little bits, because once you've started living it in your body, in your life, in your situation, then it's that memory and that knowledge is so much more consolidated and it's not the thing that you know until you need to know it and then you forget about it. And I think a lot of us have those things that, oh, I know this one, I know this one, but now that I need it, I don't remember it. And we can sort of help by experiencing the things that we're learning, having a better like oh yeah. backup of that information. No, and, and, and if we go into a little bit of different types of intelligence, let's, let's talk specifics. I mean, here's the thing, it could be, it's a difficult conversation to get into because there are different theories and, and you talk to different psychologists, they'll tell you different things. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of, of looking at IQ versus EQ, uh, but I know that there are people who like to go th- into the... Ni- I think the most common is nine different uh, types of intelligence. And both of those ways of distinguishing between different ways of, of, of being intelligent are valuable. Uh, and what we really have to understand and assess is, okay, maybe I wasn't good in school, 
but let me identify which type of intelligence do I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was very clear that I understood people's emotions very well. I understood their needs. I understood their ambitions, their goals, their challenges. I was overly empathetic to the degree that I understood why even my bullies did what they did without needing an explanation. I didn't need adults to tell me that, oh, they might have a tough time at home. I understood people from a very, very little, like since I, was, I can remember, I could read people's body language, their facial expressions, their tone of voice, their narratives, and I could understand them and read between the lines. Mm-hmm. But there are certain people that don't have that skill set, uh, n- especially naturally. But there's some people that might be super good in school and 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 uh, feel like, for example, my sister. She some of the stuff that I had an easy time with, she was very confused about. <laughs> and and if you notice, in the case of my sister and I, we each looked at the other person. It's like I wish I could do that mm-hmm. because we were very good at looking at what we can't do and judge ourselves based on that. We're very bad at celebrating what we do easily and naturally. Because like, oh, it's easy, so it has no value. Mm -hmm. We perceive value based on how difficult something is in many cases. So if something is difficult, it's more valuable. If something is easy, easy, it's less valuable. Sadly, we are wired in a way where we tend to make that judgment call. We Mm -hmm. tend to see things like that. And it takes an active, a conscious mental exercise to identify, ooh, this thing I do naturally, actually for the people around me is almost impossible. It's super stressful, it's super difficult, yeah. and or super confusing. And that's where I challenge you, where are you where, where's your type of, where, where, where's your strength? Where are you intelligent? I mean, yeah. uh, if we look at the, the nine types of intelligence, uh, there are two of them that stand out for me, I- intrapersonal and interpersonal. Those are two that I find very natural. Uh, but there are also some that like are s- not natural for me. I mean, there's one mm-hmm. called spiritual intelligence. I believe there. I go like, eh, maybe that's not my strength. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, one of the things that one of the things that we have to look at is also there are a lot of these that maybe when we think about intelligence, we're n- we don't even think about these like bodily and kinesthetic yeah. intelligence. That's something that can be really, really, really valuable that we don't think of as intelligence, yeah. but knowing how to move your body and sort of have that mind-body connection where you have good coordination. For a lot of us, that's not as easy. Yeah. Like I've been a super clumsy person my entire life. I've always been covered in bruises just because I keep bumping into things. And then, you know, you watch these dance TV shows online or you watch sports and there are people that really know how to move their bodies yeah. in a very skillful way. No, no, I, I, f- I found the list of the nine types of intelligence. Uh, there are many different lists I found with four, with nine, with all kinds of different numbers, but the most commonly used one is nine types. I have to Google it because uh, in developed development, we don't talk about the nine types of intelligence. We really only focus on improving emotional intelligence. I think that's our strength. Yeah. So emotional intelligence is really where we shine as, as, a, as, a, as a tool, as a, as a system. But... Uh, right now that we're talking in the podcast about really, you know, increasing confidence, being more self-aware. So in this particular list, it has uh, spatial, spatial awareness, no, spatial intelligence, naturalist intelligence, uh, musical, logical, mathematical, existential, interpersonal, bodily, kinesthetic, what my sister mentioned, linguistic, and interpersonal. But I've also found lists that have like, there was one that had spiritual intelligence where I go like, okay. There's so many different ways of, 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 of looking at intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, th- you got to take these lists with a grain of salt and you got to like, don't look at them and use them as, oh, well, uh, half of these, uh, you know, I, I'm not good at, so I'm screwed. But look at them more from the angle of, huh, there are people who have categorized this one thing that I'm good at as something worth pursuing, developing, mm-hmm. learning, valuing, celebrating. It's actually a category that someone values. Yeah. Musical intelligence. Maybe you sucked in school, but you're a great musician. Mm-hmm. Like when you learn that ah, someone somewhere decided this is worth celebrating, that can give you some that can give you a boosting confidence. Yeah. Someone is rating their abilities based on this one area that you might be shining in. Yeah. Yeah, and 
you mentioned confidence and that's what this conversation is really about yeah. you know we want to start challenging our insecurities in order to overcome them or diminish the power they have over us because yes exactly maybe you're really good at music and you think oh this is so easy and i wasn't graded on this in school so it doesn't matter but i can say as someone who's not a musician the few times i've tried to sort of learn how to compose music and things like that i'm like I have no idea how to make things sound good. And some people I'm pretty sure I still get people nightmares from when I had a violin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yannick used to play a violin. He was not very good. <laughs> that is the understatement of the year. <laughs> you know, some people that can make music but don't have a great ear for music, like my buddy Kyle. Sometimes he would I would come Do you want to get to the microphone and tell this story? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Steve is sharing a a, a good uh, a good tidbit. Hello. I forget which camera I left off. <laughs> so I'll look over there. Uh, so sometimes people are good at one part of something and not good at another thing, like mm -hmm. the musical one. Uh, my buddy Kyle, he, he's a rapper. He makes uh, music. He makes his own beats. He does his own production and everything. And I remember one time uh, we were living together, and I came home from work, and he had most of a beat made, and he was about to throw it out. And I said, let me listen to it. And he played it. And I almost slapped him upside the head. I was like, are you crazy? You're going to throw this out? This is amazing. <laughs> and then uh, he put it together. And to his ear, before he got the feedback, he was like, oh, this is garbage. This, isn't, this has no potential. And then uh, I listened to it and told him, I was like, no, this is actually great. It has so much potential and blah, blah, blah. And it became one of his best songs that he performs a lot and that people request for him to perform. Wow. Um, so you can also have varying degrees of, the different types of intelligence as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because if we look, for example, at linguistic uh, intelligence, w you can look at a p person like my mom or our mom who's dyslexic. And so she mixes up letters and words and when she's speaking, she also mix mixes up the words and the sounds. So it's very easy for her to think, oh, this is something that I'm not good at. Like, you know, maybe I'm good at art or design or other things that she is also good at. So maybe I'll just like forget about like the verbal and linguistic side of things. But her being very smart, she didn't give up. She taught English at a university level. Exactly. In Canada, <laughs> and I think it's the most expensive school in Canada. Yeah. It's I one of the top universities. And when I first met Ma, I I couldn't understand a word that she said <laughs> because she had such a strong accent um, <laughs> and it, like such a strong uh, like Spanish accent or Mexican accent, whichever, however you want to call it. Um, I just, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd love to eat. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so with that super strong accent and with her dyslexia, she was able to study literature, be top of her class consistently, write really, really interesting works on literature. And the thing is, yeah, maybe the words were a little bit scrambled for her, but she worked with her strengths. She knew that even though she couldn't read a sentence word by word in order, she was good at scanning pages and gathering the information collectively, which I hear that and I go, I have no yeah. idea how to do that <laughs> or how that's even possible because I do have to wor read word by word, but she can scan the two pages and kind of go back and forth and look at them and then she can sort of process all the information that's on that page. No, no, if, you, if you look at her, she has published books. Textbooks. For textbooks for uh, uh, colleges and high schools. She has uh, uh, learned more languages than most people learn. In, well, yeah. she's learned many languages over the years. And uh, it's really impressive how we can be very hard on ourselves because there's certain areas that we need a bit of refinement yeah. or we need a little bit of extra help or a little bit of extra patience. Mm -hmm. I remember when she was studying phonetics, that was the one area that she really struggled yeah. with. But when it came to English literature, I mean, she could analyze, she, she's the fastest reader I know, and she could analyze yeah. <laughs> a book in, in a way that like, it's like, what, you got that out of that? Yeah, and that's quite the analysis. You know, it's exactly because she learns and reads in a different way yeah. 
her way of like scanning the two pages means that she notices patterns that other people miss yeah. in the work. Like, oh, look, there's a play on words here that gets repeated. There's a metaphor that gets repeated. You know, she sees these things that a lot of us who read in a more linear, supposedly proper and supposedly right way yeah. don't see. Yeah. So that's another thing that I've really learned, both in my own case and other people's cases. A lot of times those areas where we feel particularly insecure, chances are we just do it differently or learn yeah. it differently. And there's actually a strength within that. Like for me with my social skills, as I said, like I thought I was dropped on the wrong planet because people didn't make sense to me. And then, you know, I start reaching my 20s when I start realizing for the first time that my mom and my brother don't know everything about social interaction, that they even have insecurities, that they get nervous, that they don't know what people are trying to say or what they mean sometimes. And then suddenly I was giving them advice and I was like, wait a minute, I, the one who doesn't have social skills, am helping out the two people that do have social skills. And the thing is, maybe I wasn't reading the things that most people read, but one thing I do in particular that I don't know if it applies to other people, but one of the reasons why social interaction was so confusing to me is that people don't say what they mean most of the time. Exactly. And so, like, they'd make one facial expression, and then what they said would say another things, and then what they actually did said something else, and I'd be like, holy shit, what's going on? But I was confused because I was noticing that. Because I was aware of that, I just didn't know that I was aware of that. And suddenly I was advising other people. I was like, yeah, look at their actions. They do this, this, and this. That reflects these kinds of values and this kind of way of being. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, they were looking at maybe the more emotional side of things and empathizing with everybody. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that's why they're doing it. But look over the course of time, like they're still doing it. So even with the resources you've given them, even with the support you've given it them, they're still going to take the same actions they've been taking. So yeah, we uh, had it, different it strengths within that same area. It's funny because uh, just to reinforce what you just said, most people, what they say is not really what they say. It's not what they mm -hmm. really want to get across. Uh, and working with people who take the world and in a more literal way, uh, I'm surprised by how much people still to this day expect people to be literal, to be so direct, so transparent, so exact with the words. But there's research that says that only 7% of communication is actually verbal. It's actually the words that come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Most of it is body language and tone of voice. And you've got to be able to read body language and tone of voice to identify what is this person actually saying. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Steve is like, that's too much work. No, and but I want to actually add something to that because body language was one of the difficult things for me to read, but I was good at reading behavior. So I want to add behavior and actions into that because yes, sometimes somebody's actions, you won't have the whole context to understand them. Okay. But over time, those actions do kind of build up and start showing you certain patterns that you can also use to learn a lot about a person. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think uh, there are pattern, there's pattern recognition that uh, can tell you a lot. Uh, there is uh, um, identifying people's fears and insecurities can tell you a lot. Identifying uh, how they react under stress can tell you a lot. There are many different things uh, that, that you can learn from a person mm -hmm. beyond just their body language in the moment or, or, or the facial expressions and that sort of stuff. Uh, and But the main point to emphasize is research shows, and there are multiple studies that back up similar numbers, that it's about 7% of your communication that's actually verbal, like mm -hmm. the spoken words. Yeah. Uh, and when you understand that, then you get a little bit more curious, and yeah. then you take time to learn things. And, and that's something that I've seen with develop development. Develop development, the strength of develop development is that. It's reading people, understanding people, identifying how they function, mm -hmm. what are their instincts, what are the values, uh, what are their needs, even though they're not telling you, are they telling you one thing but really meaning something else? And that's where, where developed element really shines. Yeah. But And I've seen people come from literally taking the world super literal to the degree of like really not understanding people to all of a sudden being very, very 
uh, socially intelligent, very, very inter uh, interpersonally intelligent, but also intrapersonally intelligent, like self-aware mm -hmm. uh, and, and as a whole emotionally intelligent. Like we really work on, on emotional intelligence, which there are many factors that influence emotional intelligence, but everything like understanding people, understanding yourself, having self-control, having motivation, knowing how to motivate yourself, all these things, they mm -hmm. really are part of emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, conflict resolution, all these uh, things that really are super important. And, and at the end of the day, uh, I understand that this episode is, is an episode on, on identify where your strengths are and celebrate them, but I also will use it as a call to action to if there are certain areas that you need to, to work on that you know that are required for to achieve your goals, work on them. Don't just assume you're bad at them. Yeah. Uh, they require patience. And the best type of intelligence you can invest in uh, based on data and research is emotional intelligence. There are several mm -hmm. studies that show that it impacts way more on your career and your finances and your happiness uh, than IQ or specific skill sets. You can have mm -hmm. all the skills in the world, but if you don't know how to work with people, if you don't know how to share your ideas, if you don't know how to deal uh, with stress and conflict, then what good is that knowledge that you have mm -hmm. if you throw in the towel the first moment things get difficult? Yeah. So it is also a call to action. If, if you feel that you don't understand people, if you don't feel that you have a hard time uh, with your emotional intelligence, know that it is, from my perspective, one of the easiest things to work on. Because I've seen how fast people can yeah. transform with that. Yeah, and I mean, being a person who who has considered that one of my greatest weaknesses, <coughs> I will say that developer element has made it very easy yeah. for me. Uh, there are a lot of things that I've read in books leading up to the existence of developer element, but once you really start looking at it from like, okay, what are the different influencers in your personality? What is the most natural part of your personality? How do different kinds of personalities work? What motivates them? What drives them? Why do they do what they do? Having that packaged neatly with little labels like, okay, electric type, okay, fire type, it makes it really easy for someone, at least speaking from my own perspective as someone who learns primarily in a more academic way, like being able to put it that way and knowing that yes, people are more than just that, they're also their experiences, they're also their past, they're also their goals and their dreams, but having that framework just to know where to start, for me has made it much easier dealing with people. No, no, I've seen people's transformation. I mean, in your case, you really went from not speaking, from hiding, from isolating yourself socially, mm -hmm. from giving up in many areas mm, fairly easy except for the really passion projects that yeah. no <laughs> one could stop you even <laughs> with all the resources in the world uh, because obviously there are, uh, when someone puts their mind to something, that's why we talk about passion yeah. projects. I mean, it's a big thing in development, but but it it is impressive how before and after. I mean, I remember last year when we were in um, California and Steve saw uh, Itzel for the first time in, in several years after her living in Japan and now Mexico and stuff. I was like, in this one day, she has said more words than the seven years in Canada. Like, <laughs> he was surprised. He was shocked. And he basically lived with us then. And, and he basically li he lived with us several so months at a time like for several years. Like, he Did. saw me when I was tired. He saw me when I was sick. He saw me when I was happy. He yeah. saw me. Uh, he was there when I first started. Like, when I went on my first date, he was very much there in brother role, like, protective. If you need me to beat him up, you know, you just let me know. Just for context, <laughs> he is our brother. He is yeah. he's an adopted member of the family. So, so yeah, I mean, this is, like, so it's family. It's, like it's, it's, it's Full-time seven years, I spoke less. Than that one day, that in, one in, day in, in California, California <laughs> the first day in California. And it's true. Now she's actually more <laughs> extroverted than me in many uh, uh, scenarios. And that blows me away because mm -hmm. she has always had this side in her that was suppressed. It was hidden away. Mm -hmm. It was neglected. It was seen as something bad yeah. because she always would set the expectation of being introverted. And then when her extrovert side would come out, she would receive judgments and she just shut it off. Mm -hmm. uh, and she also didn't have the social energy because her introverted side was too drained for her extroverted energy. So there's a lot of mess, but with developed development, she's been able to regenerate and stimulate both sides. And all of a sudden now, 
there are many cases where she has more extrovert needs than me. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's a funny thing happened. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Uh, I was chatting with one of my friends that I've known for, known and talked to for about a year, but like known in person for about half a year. Um, or less than that even. I think it's way less than that. Uh, and, you know, my friend commented like, oh, you talk so much. And one of the, my first impressions of you when we first started talking was, hey, this person talks a lot. <laughs> and I found that really funny because for so much of my life, it was the opposite that yeah. I would give as first impression. You know, it was always, why aren't you talking? Are you okay? Talk more, smile more, share more. Are you comfortable? Are you sure? Do you want to go home? Are you mad at me? You know, people really didn't know what to do with me because of just how quiet yeah. I was. And now I'm getting sort of that opposite feedback that I'm a person that talks a lot. <laughs> no, I didn't have to go up to her and ask for feedback and advice and like social things uh, because in her journey of self-exploration and development and that sort of stuff, she faced a lot of very difficult things. Things that I have had been afraid to face myself for many, many <laughs> years. And yes, I had enough social skill sets to mask and hide them in most settings. But it has become increasingly clear to me just how much social anxiety I've lived with my whole life yeah. that I've just been very good at hiding. Yeah. And now I have the confidence of saying, you know, I have these this fear. I have worked on it. It doesn't paralyze me the same way it did before. I've made my goals more important than my fears. I've done this and this to desensitize myself from it. But it's still, there are moments where it creeps in. Mm -hmm. And there are moments where I need to ask for support. And that's something that I didn't have the confidence to do before. So I would run away from opportunities when I felt like that so that no one would see that part mm -hmm. of me. So they didn't see it, but it was there. And, and and now I develop it and now I face it and, and it makes me very proud. Mm -hmm. But it is impressive just how much uh, one can develop skill sets intelligence and just the way she has developed a lot more emotional intelligence over their years and social intelligence and uh, interpersonal, interpersonal, all those. Uh, for me, I have developed a lot of, you know, more traditionally intelligent things that I was like, no, 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 I'm not touching that. No, 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 I'm not learning that. No, I can't mm -hmm. learn that. And I would shut myself down and just conclude and assume defeat before even trying. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at a point where it's like, what do I need to learn to achieve this? What do I need to learn to achieve this? Okay, I'll learn it. I'll take a class. I'll take a course. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll hire uh, a trainer. I'll hire a tutor. Sit down. Teach me. Okay, I can learn it. Boom. Let's keep moving. Yeah. And that right there, having the confidence to know that you can learn something is the first step. Mm-hmm. One, yes, please identify which types of intelligence you have that you're not identifying and not celebrating. But really, more so than that is develop yourself. Because I also know people who are dumber than they think. <laughs> uh, uh, people who are, you know, are have super high IQs. I have certain family members and friends who have super high IQs, academically amazing, but are so emotionally blind and insensitive and disconnected and incapable of understanding people to the degree that they've burned every single bridge they've had in their life because they've gotten offended, they've gotten no offense, but hurt because of every single small thing that has happened in their lives and they've given so much power to their fears and their insecurities that they've amplified it and assumed defeat, assumed failure, assumed criticism, assumed judgment in so many cases where it wasn't really the case or where it was a small little thing and they turned it into an existential crisis. Yeah. So I mentioned this because yes, this is a call to action to identify where you're strong to feel more confident because I think most people go through life being very uh, hard on themselves and very critical. But I also am a firm believer in the value in self-awareness. Yeah. And if you are one of those people who is not self-aware, is not introspective, and is not willing to look inside and see where you need to develop skill sets, uh, develop more empathy, more p uh, social skills, more whatever it is, if you aren't able to do that, then what use is that knowledge that you have or those skill sets that you have? Mm -hmm. And that's why there are studies, and you can look them up, 
there's several studies that show just how important emotional intelligence is to really take those skill sets that you have and share them with the world, make money, uh, uh, increase influence, increase impact, increase uh, happiness, all the different things that you might really want to do with those skills and that, that intelligence that you already have requires emotional intelligence yeah. to really take it to where it could and where it deserves to be taken. Yeah. And, and that's something that I do challenge you to be critical with yourself and which areas do you need to develop and just don't conclude that they are not necessary. When it comes to emotional intelligence, it is really, 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 really important uh, and it's very expensive and you're shooting yourself in the foot if you wait with your journey of developing that area. Yeah. And honestly, there are other areas too, like IQ, there are probably basic skills and uh, that you are telling yourself that you cannot do and you've branded yourself as, I'm dumb, I'm this, and it's even trendy to be dumb. I mean, the yeah, it's trendy because we want to be young, we want to be youthful. Uh, there was a, a, I forget which uh, uh, late night comedian, is the Scottish guy, what was his name? He's no longer on TV. Uh, Craig Ferguson, I think. He has a, a, a very cool little snippet about uh, why now it's cool to be dumb. And he talks about how back in the 50s in the marketing companies, trying to make everyone feel young and wanting to that eternal youth, and how even back in uh, ancient Greece and in, in like uh, uh, ancient societies, youth was, was celebrated, and how one of the ways to demonstrate youth is to act dumb. So people like to act dumb so that they're considered youthful and coming across as intelligence is uh, intelligent is is not considered cool and it's considered nerdy luckily thanks to big bang theory now it's considered cool uh, <laughs> but for many many years that wasn't the case and really we live in an era where access to information is 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 it's easier to get information than any point in history learning anything is easier than ever and you owe it to yourself you owe it to your projects you owe it to the skills you already have to develop your areas of weakness so you can take those skill sets and bring mm -hmm. them to the next level yeah no and also wherever you do have certain areas of strength i think it's also worth continuing to <coughs> update yourself there maybe you don't need the same intensity or the same urgency uh but speaking of youthfulness being popular being in that process of learning being humble enough to realize, hey, there's always room for improvement, there's always room for growth. I think that can be both inspiring to yourself and to the people around you to go, okay, I'm quite comfortable here, but what else can I learn? Yeah, no, and one thing I wanna add too, uh, before we wrap up, because we're trying to keep them around an hour now instead of <laughs> an hour and a half, we're trying, uh, or two. Uh, here's the thing, uh, when it comes to intelligence when it comes to being the, the whole being dumb being popular thing also identify how many people around you are afraid of being left behind yeah because one thing i've seen is when people level up when they expand their resources when they study things and get smarter and get nerdier let's say a lot of people start bullying them or making fun of them or trying to bring them down you're no longer one of us like uh, oh, you who think do you think you that. are? You think you're all that, and yeah. that's a real problem. People love holding people back. People yeah. love uh, limiting people because it makes themselves feel better when they have small little lives and they're stuck in their little lives. They want their little partners in misery, and they like reinforcing the we are victims, we suck, but we suck together. Like it's sad, but it happens more yeah. frequently than I wish to admit because I wish as humanity we wouldn't do that but it happens yeah. and and you've probably even done it to other people around you people are very good at wanting to hold on to what's comfortable but sometimes you got to go through periods of discomfort to level up yeah. so i challenge you identify what skill sets what types of intelligence you need to develop invest in them work on them level up don't uh, conclude that just because you have one area you don't need the others yes Use the ones that you have to boost your confidence, but also have some level of curiosity, have some level of, of, of uh, dedication to level up in areas that you are weak because 
honestly, we can all learn a lot more than what we learned in school and growing up because our parents and our teachers, they were not perfect. They had their weaknesses. They had their shortcomings. They had their ways of doing things. But maybe your learning style is different. Find the one that works for you because you live in a moment in history where you can find a learning style that works for you and you can learn any skill set that you put your mind uh, mind to. Yeah. Anything you want to add? I think we're good. So, yeah, do that. And... Uh, if you want to get notified when we have more of these episodes, don't forget to uh, go on YouTube, subscribe and ring the bell because we're live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time. We have changed the time from the morning to the evening uh, because we got uh, informed that a lot of people are working stuff. So so we are doing those changes, and I think a lot of people are just catching up to that. And, uh, yeah, if you, watch, uh, if you listen to us on... Uh, uh, in the car, we are on Spotify, we are on SoundCloud, we are on many different platforms, so make sure to check that out. So see you next week, same time, same place. Have a good one.